behavior. The late 1990s saw a boom in teen horror films following the success of Scream and I Know What You Did Last Summer. Everyone in their studio wanted to cash in on that, so plenty of titles were released in the following few years after those two massive hits. One of the titles that saw its share of excitement over its production was Disturbing Behavior, starring James Marsden, Nick Stahl, Katie Holmes, and Catherine Isabel. This film had success written all over it. Magazines like Fangoria and YM gave it some ink. The stars were interviewed everywhere. This had to be a hot property and a fantastic film as well as a big hit. And if you've watched any of these episodes before, you know that, as always, things did not go exactly according to plan. So let's head back to the late 90s and ask, what the f*** happened to this horror movie? The film went into production with a script that seemed to be quite strong, written by Scott Rosenberg, who has previously written Beautiful Girls in Con Air. It was said that it had some influence from the Stepford Wives, and a touch of potential sci-fi added to the horror. Director David Nutter had worked on films and series including 21 Jump Street, The X-Files, and Millennium, so his teen and science fiction background was well established. Disturbing behavior seemed to want to be more horror than sci-fi. <laughs> but still sci-fi, so he seemed a good fit. The film was shot, and things seemed to be on track for it to be a hit. So what happened? How did this 15 million US film only make 17.5 million? These numbers show that it wasn't a total flop, but it wasn't exactly a hit either, and things don't look any better when you add in marketing costs. Well, the main thing may very well be that teens were looking for straightforward horror and not necessarily science fiction. Yes, this film follows the usual teen horror beats, the opening of the film is typical teen horror fare, but it soon turns into a mind control science fiction type of film, something along the lines of The Stepford Wives, but also something along the lines of a film called Strange Behavior from 1981. Watching it after watching Disturbing Behavior will lead just about anyone to see clear, common ideas, some being really close to each other, yet it's not listed as an influence anywhere or credited. Now, in the 1998 film, the one at hand, the story follows teenager Steve, whose family brings him to a remote island with his little sister so that they can leave the past behind and pretend that their oldest son hasn't died. Start over without him. Clean slate, no problem. Forget anything ever happened and have a perfect little family. Tell me, Shannon, do you get yelled at if you talk about your dead grandfather? Steve. Because around here, people go crazy if you talk about a dead brother. Of course, Steve isn't on board as he loved his brother, and this move seems weird. Once on the island, his sister is excited to get to her new school and new friends, but him, well, not so much. But he goes to school anyways. This high school has a group of seemingly perfect students who all belong to the Blue Ribbons, a weird society that makes everyone better and kind of all the same, really. There doesn't seem to be much personality, and they all follow each other. Quickly, Steve becomes friends with Gavin, Rachel, and UV, who become his core group as he learns more from them and from the school janitor. Scary, ain't it? Soon, the Blue Ribbons are after Steve and his sister Lindsay, and their parents seem almost okay with it. It all leads to a bit of a cat and mouse game, an attempt to escape, and an ending that is only partially satisfactory. The story being as it is, was a heavily cut version of the original planned story and film. The original cut, from director David Nutter, was 115 minutes long and ended quite differently, with Gavin, oops, spoiler, dying. The currently available cut stands at 84 minutes with a new ending that wasn't what the director wanted at all, and a lot of the more complex character development completely nixed from the film. These cuts came from feedback the studio got at test screenings, which there were many of. The first one happened 
where they showed the full 115-minute cut to a group of viewers aged 15 to 24 years old in Texas. The film was just over two months from its release date, and the group seemed fairly happy, but some of course had complaints. These complaints were taken seriously, and longer character development scenes got the axe, and so did the ending where Gavin dies. Can't have well-rounded characters and a bummer ending now, can we? Had the film been first screened in Los Angeles, or New York, or perhaps even Chicago, we're on a mission from God. Would the same changes have been made? We will never know. So, gone was the director's cut, along with its character development, some of its logic, and its original ending. Another screening, in Westlake Village area, just north of Los Angeles and right next door to the comfortable city of Thousand Oaks, brought just about the same results. So director Nutter was ordered to shoot a new ending and a new editor was brought in to make more cuts. MGM had control of the film at this point, and they seemingly didn't care if the film had the same spirit anymore or if the characters developed and ended in logical ways. They wanted what they wanted, and they used the data from a few viewers at test screenings who were more vocal than others. Parental and adult connection type scenes were also removed to make it more marketable to teenagers, forgetting that sometimes a common enemy, the adults in this case, needs to be established with the audience and that those scenes could have helped the leads become more likable to the audience due to their battles and anxieties with their parents, teachers, school. Like the way you feel. Oh, shut the fuck up. But who needs background, development, or connections to their characters? Nobody here. Clearly, this film only needed to have pretty teens doing typical teen stuff, be angsty, fight for their lives, you know, everyday stuff. Following those cuts, the film was shown to more test audiences, this time in San Diego County. To no one's surprised now, the new ending didn't go over well. Gavin's alive and well, and teaching and possibly being the new recruiter for the Blue Ribbons? Makes no sense. It's against his character, and it's quite telling that the adults in charge of the film at this point wanted an ending where basically the adults win and things can go on in their preferred direction. At this point, David Nutter wanted his name off the film. He wanted to make a film that would connect with teens and be something they would love. This wasn't it. Following the latest test screening, the film was cut yet again to 72 minutes. MGM seemed proud of this one, happy even. The audience seemed not so enthused. A short time later, a fifth test screening was done. Yes, a fifth, and the committee now making the film were interested in re-adding some of the cutscenes into the movie. The new and final runtime of 84 minutes or so was obtained, and the film was released as is on July 24th 1998, right smack in the middle of summer. A perfect time for a film like this to come out. Also, a perfect time for marketing to go into overdrive with posters, ads, even a small presence at San Diego Comic-Con, where these big buttons were handed out. The film was set with a good marketing campaign, a solid release date, and then nothing. Or rather, almost nothing. The opening weekend brought in 7 million US at the domestic box office. Some theaters dropped the film after just one week due to poor ticket sales. Some places didn't like the film's content, so it got pushed to midnight screenings, which are less than ideal for the teenage crowd the film was aimed at. Something was off, and the film disappeared completely pretty quickly. Technically, it opened at number six. Not bad, as it's still top 10, but it's not top five, or close to number one. The number one film that week was one of the other new releases, Saving Private Ryan. Let's be honest here. Anything coming out against Saving Private Ryan had little to no chance at a number one. The films that ranked between that number one and number six were The Mask of Zorro, Lethal Weapon 4, There's Something About Mary, and Armageddon. Some would say that Disturbing Behavior was doomed to not get a number one with that competition. There was a lot of star power stacked up against the sci-fi horror teen film with too many hands cutting it. That 
was a tough bunch of competition to come out against. Actually, it's enough tough competition to make lesser films cry. For those who are curious or saw the film, there's a more than decent DVD release out there with some of the deleted scenes available on it. There is also a Shout Factory Blu-ray release which has the alternate ending. This has prompted some fan edits to be made where the missing scenes that have been made available were re-edited into the film with the director's input. So it's hard to tell if they were added right or in the correct spot. But some of them definitely seem to have gotten it right. A full director's cut of the film doesn't seem to be available anywhere at the moment, unfortunately, but it does exist. A few lucky people who worked at Fangoria magazine at the time got to see it and loved it. So there is something to be believed that this director's cut would be stronger than the currently available cut. While the film, in its Blu-ray version from Shout Factory, seems to be out of print, there is a new version available as a pre-order from MVD Rewind. So perhaps more extras there? Or perhaps simply the movie? With the price tag on it, it does seem like it might just be stuff previously available. This release lists the runtime at 84 minutes with deleted scenes and an alternate ending. Maybe seeing yet another release in the future is something to not hope for too much, especially as all sources seem to indicate that MGM has well and killed the full director's cut and it may be truly lost. A work print once upon a time floated around, so perhaps someone somewhere has that in their basement or attic, waiting to be rediscovered. As it stands, Disturbing Behavior at its 84-minute cut is a decent watch that feels like it's missing something and its ending doesn't feel all that satisfying. It's definitely a product of the late 1990s, from its style, its story, the soundtrack, which is banging by the way, the way the teens talk, the fashion, Katie Holmes as a hot pre-emo goth chick, a post-Campfire Tales yet pre-X-Men James Marsden, a quite young Catherine Isabel, and bunch more familiar faces. This film has one hell of a cast, an interesting concept, but ultimately suffered from what seems to be too much studio meddling, too many recuts, and too little fate in what could really be if given the freedom to really fly. At this point, there's something in there that keeps the attention, but there are issues caused by the editing and cutting out of anything with some bite. The film still has a few shocking moments, some fun, and a great cast. So it's a fun watch, even 24 years later. What are you shitbirds doing down here?